Well, good morning, friends. How we doing? Happy Halloween and uh, happy extra day. I mean, the extra day of sleep, extra hour of sleep. That'd be nice, right? Could we do that? Is it, is it possible? Can we, can we make that happen? Like, just kind of go back? Can we go back to another year? Or, or, no, actually, then we'll have to repeat 2020. No, no, no don't want to do that. But anyways, I'm so glad you're here. And if you're not joining us, which I have a feeling that maybe some of you guys are actually watching this or listening to this after the fact, it's all good. I'm just glad you're in this moment, even though it's not this moment. But I hope Halloween was fun. You know what's interesting, though, is that I've kind of realized that uh, how many adults like to dress up to be someone else. I mean, it's so much fun. I get it. I get it. They just want to be, it's fun to be like for a day or for a couple hours to just pretend like you are someone else. And usually it's someone you want to be or you hope you could be or something like that. And, and I just want you to know it's, it's fun. It's fun to be for a, a day or whatever, be someone else. But it re- re- reminds you that there's not, no one like you. There's no other like you. And so be uniquely you. But it's fun to have fun, obviously. But man, it's, it's so important to be reminded that when it comes down to it, um, there are things that there are no other uh, options, like as in you being you, but also this idea of there's no other God that uh, loves us dearly and wants to pursue us, is pursuing us, in fact, even more than we know. And so we have this great opportunity to just lean into that. And that's why we're doing this series called No Other. This idea of like, hey, there's no other name, there's no other cause, there's no other label, there's no other God that, that needs to shape our lives. And so this morning, I want to continue the conversation talking talking about no other power. Uh, obviously, there is all kinds of conversations happening in our country about power and the abuse of power or the privilege of power and all kinds of things. But let's talk about power. Here's the deal, though. Here's the deal. In spite of us, uh, in spite of the fact that there are things going on, there are things going on in your heart and your soul. And there's power that you need to tap into and you want to tap into. Because I'm sure there are things you want to do today, right? There are things that you're thinking about, hoping they'll happen, praying for. And it comes down to it that you actually are counting on someone to show up for you. You're counting on maybe yourself to show up. You're counting on other people to show up. I mean, there are things you are trying to accomplish and you are going to tap into or you're already tapping into their power or someone's power to actually accomplish those things. We need power, and it's so easy to look for other people in our lives, to look for ourselves, to look at other things, to give us a sense of security, to give us a sense of strength, resilience, a sense of um, being not tired, uh, having the power to just kind of go through the things we're going through. And so I just want to remind us that with this conversation that we have to go back to And we have to remind our souls that there's no other power than God's power that we were wired up to access. And there's no other power that will allow us to accomplish all the things we want to accomplish. So hopefully this morning you can uh, think about the things you're trying to accomplish. And then we can have a conversation about why that we need to tap into God's power more than any other power out there in your life. Let me read you a passage of scripture. In fact, uh, before I read this to you, I was, uh, I was doing a conference, um, a Zoom conference, which is the best kind of conferences. Nope, not the best kind of conferences. They're, they stink. I mean, I mean, they don't stink, but I'm like, okay, so I, 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 for years now, I've been on average, uh, tra- you know, I would get to travel and be on a plane uh, once a month. 
So once a month I was on a plane. And in fact, I was traveling for so many years. I've got used to the airplane cabin noise. And I got to be full disclosure here. I realized that when I would go, uh, you know, go, uh, get on a plane, I would uh, quickly fall asleep. I mean, I would just, I'd be knocked out. And so I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to figure out how to get this cabin noise. And so there's an app that um, allows me to do that. So now I sleep with a sound of a cabin, like airplane, airplane cabin noise. Um, why do I share that? No idea. It just gives me the power to sleep, maybe. I don't know what, what it was. But anywho, I digress. So I'm doing this Zoom conference that has no airplane cabin sound anyways. And I'm talking to pastors and leaders. And their big question is that how do you lead uh, with, uh, with uh you know, with confidence through this pandemic. So I'm talking to church leaders about this, and I'm thinking, ha, 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 I don't even know. I don't, I have no idea. And they're paying me good money, friends, good money for this. And I have to talk for an hour about this. So I start with this particular passage, and I think it's, it's so uh, timely for even this conversation. So let me read to you. It's 1 Corinthians 2. I've probably read this before, maybe. You've heard it before if you read the Bible. But let's see. If you know this, it says this. First Corinthians says, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. This is Paul, the apostle. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise or persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Now think about this. Just think about this. Th think about this, the the depth of this passage here. Here is Paul the Apostle who's done incredible things. This is the guy who got bit by a snake and then brushed it off. That's where we get the whole snake handling from, which we're not going to ever do, but I'm just saying, that's where we get it from. Paul is the guy who's done some amazing miracles. I mean, they would say, like, have you ever uh, seen, like, preachers uh, that say, hey, I've got a handkerchief and I've anointed it and you can buy it for $10.99? Well, it came from Paul. Not that he would do this, but people started doing this. This guy was full of God's power, supernatural power. He, he, he was the guy. He did some amazing, amazing things. But he's also the same guy who writes this passage. And here's what he says. He says, I'm coming to you in insecurity. When, I come to, uh, when I'm speaking to you, I'm coming with a, a, lo a lot of anxiety. I'm coming to with you with, not with persuasive words. But in fact, I'm coming to you with a demonstration of God's power. Here's why. Because I want to make sure that the messages I preach don't convince you naturally or convince you psychologically or convince you with human wisdom. Because if, if I convince you like that, if I, uh, if I give you messages that you're like, oh my gosh, they're so practical, they're so good, they're, I can apply them, they're so good, and like, of course, without a shadow of doubt, I know why I need to believe this. I mean, if we focus on that, he says, if I focus on that, here's what's going to happen. Your faith is going to be built on what? Human wisdom and not on God's power. And so as I was talking to pastors in this Zoom call, I said, you know what, I think that's been the problem. The problem has been is, is that we as pastors have given our people um, tools to tap into human power all the time, human wisdom all the time. And so now people's faith are falling apart. Why? Because guess what? We can't figure this pandemic out. We can't figure out this whole political situation. We can't figure out anything. Why? Because it's been, it's been limited by human wisdom. And our faith has been rested on that. And so when that falls apart, guess what happens? Your faith falls apart. That's why some of you guys are, not, are never going to watch this sermon. Because you have stopped watching and stopped engaging. And you know people who've done that. Why? Because their faith has always rested on what? Human wisdom. Because, man, there are preachers, there are pastors who are so eloquent. 
I mean, and they can preach a message with wisdom and persuasive words. And guess what? As a pastor, as a preacher, I wanted to do that. I wanted to impress, to give you, I mean, to impress you and convince you. And then what I will be guilty of is, is causing a faith that grows in you that rests on human wisdom and not on God's power. And so what he's saying here, he's saying, guys, friends, i got to tell you something. It's all connected to God's power, and you and I need God's power for our faith, not on anything else. Our faith needs to, our dreams need to rest on. Everything that we're trying to accomplish needs to rest on God's, God's power. He writes this, the same guy, Paul, he writes another passage uh, um, of Scripture in 2 Corinthians. He says this. He says, uh, he's talking about this, um, this, this um, thorn in the flesh, he calls it. Uh, we don't know exactly what it was, but it was a weakness. It was a downfall. It was one of those things he just wanted to get rid of. It was a habit, possibly. Not quite sure exactly what he was. But in this passage, he alludes to the fact that he wanted this particular kind of weakness, this particular kind of flaw to be removed from his life. And maybe it was he struggled with depression. We don't know. Some people believe that. But regardless, he wanted God to just heal him from this, to remove this kind of sense of limitation so he would have full access to everything God has. And he prayed to God and prayed to God for it. And this is what he says to us. This is the reply to, from God. He says in verse 9, he says, but he said to me, this is God, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest upon me. Then he goes on, he says, that is why, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, for when I am weak, what? Uh, then I am strong. Now, you might have heard this. You kind of like this passage. Maybe you have a part of this written out somewhere for you and you have this memorized. But just think for a second what he's saying here. Do you know what he's implying here? He's saying a couple of powerful things. Number one, he's saying when, 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 when humanity, when we feel like we are the, the most powerful, that our strength is perfect, like we are on our game, when we are the most on our game, when we are, we're the most, like, making it happen, when we're the most, like, just full of confidence, we are underperforming. He's like, when you feel like you've got it all together and all figured out, you're underperforming, based on this passage of Scripture. And then he says something that I think is so profound. He says, basically, he says, see, when humans feel that their, their power is perfect and their power is all they need, then God always seems like a weakness. Do you understand that? Like when, when, when humanity feels like, oh, I'm on top of the world, then God or religion or whatever just seems like a crutch. And he's saying, no, 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 it's the opposite. You see, when I am weak, when I have a flaw in my life, when I have this limitation in my life that I can't get over, that's when I'm actually close to experiencing God's perfect power in me. He says, when I am weak, I am strong. What he's saying is, is that if you find yourself trying to do something right now and trying to go through something right now, and you're thinking, I cannot figure this out. I don't have the power. I don't have the right people. I don't have the right resource. I don't have all the stuff. This is not a perfect situation. And that then, then, then possibly you're the most close you can be to allowing God's perfect power coming and working through you. Could this be right? This, is this what he is is, is this what he's saying? I think that's exactly what he is saying. He's saying that 
Friends, you and I have to be okay with that. Okay with that. You see, some of us get to this point. Others of us, unfortunately, just try things that we can only accomplish. Um, And you don't get to a moment where like, you know what, I want to get to a place and I don't know how to get there. And no one that I know in my circle can get me there. See, if you're there, I think you're in a great place because this is the same place there a guy, Nicodemus. He was a religious leader of his time, uh, very passionate, uh, wanted to move ahead in everything God had for him. And this rabbi was checking out Jesus. And uh, as people were criticizing him, walking every day, uh, you know, he's out in the open teaching and people are just coming against him. Nicodemus was really contemplating a lot of things. And he was looking at what Jesus was doing, looking at his teachings, looking at the power that he had. And so one night he decided that he was just going to talk to Jesus on his own, in a sense, and just go and just um, show up. When, when the crowds were all gone. This is not an Instagram moment. No phones off, everything. We're not documenting this. I just want to have this conversation. So he goes to Jesus and he tells him, he's like, hey, let me ask you something. You've done some mir- miracles. You've done, you have pow- access to power that we cannot understand. So what is going on? What, what, what is the deal? Like, how do you access this? Like, how do we access this? I'm a rabbi. How do we access this, this eternal life? How do we get to the next level? How do we accomplish the things that you're doing? And this is what he says. Jesus says this. He says, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed uh, Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans, humans can, can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit, check this out, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Now, let's just stop the press right here. If you're a rabbi listening to this, you're shocked. You're like, I'm sorry, what did you just, what, did you just say what I think you said? Because I don't know. I mean, like, you know, obviously the, 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 the timeless scriptures have, you know, modern um, people like us, right, in the modern age, listening while reading this. So this is, in, we have a different lens through which we read the scriptures. We already assume certain things based on the world we live in and the reality we know. But this rabbi, he's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did you just say what I think you said? Because I think what you said was this, that the spirit is the mother that gives birth to spiritual life. Did you just say that? Because the word uh, spirit, ruha, is actually feminine. And so some scholars believe that, that in the Trinity, the feminine part of God is, is the spirit. Now, now, you can do some more research and find out it's not really connected to a gender. He, it's, it's, more, it's not like a she, he, it's an it, or more, it's, it's a personality. It's, it's complicated. But here is something that's so profound. He's saying, yeah, the spirit is the mother who gives birth to you. See, right there, right there, Nicodemus, if you read the passage, he's like, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me? And, and, and there's a whole conversation that Jesus is like, you don't get this? And he's like, no, I don't get this. I, I don't get anything what you're saying. You're implying something that's, that I can't even begin to wrap my mind around here. 
Because in that culture, it was so strange because all the spiritual things happened by males. They, they d- d- disseminated all the spiritual things. It was all it was a very male-dominant culture. And here he's implying something that you, and then he talks about how the spirit is actually the wind, and you don't know where it's going, and you can't control it. And, and it, it's so confusing. He keeps on going because it, this, this wasn't like a thought that Jesus said, okay, if you want to have access to p- power, let me just tell you, number one, you can't even understand this power. People are going to write all kinds of books about it, but let me just tell you, you cannot understand this power. It's beyond what you think is reality. You can't put a name on this. You just can't, you can't do this. And it's not just a concept. Jesus, in fact, lived this out. What did he do? John 20. So John 20, Jesus does this. You remember this passage? It says here, then he breathed on them and said what? Receive the Holy Spirit. There's a moment in which Jesus goes, let me tell you about this, the Spirit. And then he breathes on them. I mean, could you imagine breathing on anyone right now? That's not happening, Right? Jesus is like, hold on, let me take my mask off. Let me breathe on you. Receive the Holy Spirit. What do you think the same people are doing? Am I going to, like, do I breathe it in? Like, what's going on? So it's so, it's, it's so complicated. See, it's, it's okay that we don't understand this, friends. We just have to talk about it. Then he tells people, remember, he tells his disciples, hey, I want you to and come together because the Holy Spirit is actually going to come to you corporately, not just you guys, but the people who are all going to be gathered. It's going to be a supernatural event. And that is the, that's why we get the day of Pentecost. So in Acts, what does he say? He says this. He says, but I promise you this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be filled with what? Power. You'll be filled with power. And you will be my, wit- my, uh, my messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, the distant promises, even to the remote Remote places on earth. What is he saying here? He's saying there is a power. You cannot understand it. You cannot control it. But you have access to it. You do have access to it. Well, can we contain it? No, no, I'm not quite sure if we can. Not quite sure. Because it does a lot of things. You, 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 it's, it, it formed you, but then it's also breathed onto you. And then it, it actually produces things in you. In fact, if you read the scriptures, in fact, I would say that you should do a study just personally on your own about the fruits of the Holy Spirit and then the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it does. So all the things that we want to be produced in our lives, it's a product of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said, hey, like the, the Spirit is involved in in growing you. Let me read you this passage. In Galatians 5, it says this, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is, is, is what? Divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows. I mean, that's the kind of power we need, right? A joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. Sign me up for that. Patience that endures kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and lastly, a st- and strength of spirit. See, that is grown by uh, this Holy Spirit who actually did also give you birth. Like, I, I don't even, I don't, I, don't, I don't get that. And then, then in 1 Corinthians 12, it starts listing supernatural gifts, like gifts of prophecy and gifts of, of word of knowledge, gifts of speaking in tongues and gifts of healing. And all of those things in my life, they've come true. 
I mean, I've seen variations of those come true in my life. Very, very supernatural things. And friends, i got to tell you something. If you want to have access to God's power, you have to stop trying to contain it. You, gotta, you cannot contain this stuff. We talked about it last week. You, can't, you cannot fathom, you cannot contain this creative force. I mean, can you even control a creative person, anybody? No. You think you can contain God? No, it's not even possible. But it is accessible. You can, ex- uh, you can access his power. So how do you do it? How do you access God's power? How do you do it? Well, um, I, was, uh, I was on a trip a couple of years ago to Italy. And, uh, and when I was there... It was really fascinating. I was, in, uh, I was in Naples most of the time and went to different parts of Italy as well. But I was hanging out with church pastors, speaking at a conference there. And they were t- just kind of showing me uh, the, uh, the, their city and talking to me about Italy, at least their part of the world. And, and, um, and I don't know, somehow the conversation of power came up. And uh, one of the pastors said, which was also confirmed by other pastors, he said, you know, there are two people, the two groups that control the city. And I was like, who are the two groups that control the city? Because I was thinking the government controlled it. He's like, no. He said, it's the mafia and the Catholic Church. And I said, I'm, so, I'm sorry, what? He was like, it's the mafia. I was like, there's such a, th- that, I thought that was just in movies. And he was like, no, mafia is real. And in fact, he took me to a place, uh, a whole neighborhood, more than a neighborhood, I should say, like a small, like a town. And he said, he said when you go in here, we have to roll, like roll down the windows, like old school. No, uh, we, we roll down the windows. And he says, they have to see who's in the car, and, they, and you have to go with me because it's, it's controlled by the mafia. So if they see someone that they don't know, they'll stop them. He said, cops are not even allowed here. The whole place, and he toured, it was, it, it was so strange. He said, this entire place, it's controlled by the mafia. One of the head mafia guys lives there. And I said, okay, talk to me about the church. What do you mean the the, the, the country is controlled by the Catholic Church. He goes, let me tell you how. The Catholic Church loved power so much. I mean, and that's why what happens with when, when Christianity, with all kinds of religious institutions, um, they, they, they want to have more power. They believe that God wants to uh, control everything and God wants uh, supremacy over everything. And what they do is they make institutions that actually make policies and laws and religion and control people like that. And that's how it all gets messed up all the time. But in this case, the Catholic Church basically did this. They, they instituted and figured it out where everyone in Italy has to pay tithes. Like they have to tax and their, their money goes to the Catholic Church. So if you make any kind of money in Italy, it will go to the church. Now, see, that's one way of figuring out tithing, right? You never have to preach another message about tithing. Please give out of your generosity. I don't even care if you're generous. You make money, I'm taking some of it. See, that, that kind of power is money, is, is grabbing. So you and I can live a life that says, you know, we need power and we need to grab money. We need to be in power. And we've seen this play out right now. Everyone's grabbing for power. And even I feel, I feel like even followers of Jesus, they're like, no, 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 we have to put Christianity in power. Because as long as when, when we get in power, guess what's going to happen? Everybody is going to be moral. Everybody's going to be awesome, and everybody's going to sing praise songs, and it's going to be, I'm like, first of all, what are you smoking, right? I mean, can I say that? That, that? that doesn't work. It has not worked. It has never worked. That's why when Jesus, the rabbi, who was born of human flesh, came in, what did he do? He was the anti-institution. 
he preached more sermons outside than in the synagogues. That's why they didn't like him. His disciples, some of them were zealots, meaning they were part of a political party that wanted to overthrow the Roman government. They became his disciples. They came, became Jesus' disciples to make sure that when Jesus had this power, because guess what Jesus was doing? I don't know if you know this, but he was going around feeding everybody. You know what that is? That is a food bank. He's feeding people for free. Then what is he doing? He's healing people for free. He's giving out free health care. People are like, what are you doing? That's why they didn't like him. Do you know the expression, Jesus is Lord? You know where that came from? The whole Jesus is Lord? It didn't come from Christians. I mean, it came from Christians, but they changed it. You see, that expression actually came from an expression that, that, was, that went like this. Caesar is Lord. Because they believed that Caesar was a descendant of the gods. And so the, the expression was the Romans would always break bread and say, what? Caesar is Lord. So Christians switched it. As soon as Jesus was given out free food, they were like, Jesus is Lord. That's why they had a problem. Why do you think they put that on the cross? They put that just to, just, just to put it in his face. Here lies the king of the Jews. Because they believed that it was a political thing. Why do you think Judas, the guy who walked with him, the guy who experienced all these things, sold him out for 30 pieces of silver? You would think, oh, he just wanted 30 pieces of silver. That's not the case. You see, some people believe that he wanted to push Jesus to a place where Jesus had no other option than to, have, to just enforce and become in power. As in, he thought, thought that if he, if he let Jesus get persecuted, Jesus would all of a sudden turn supernova. He would turn supernatural. He would take over. And Jesus did the opposite. You see, when Jesus did the opposite, Judas flipped out and, 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 and then killed himself. Why? Because he really believed that when given political power, Jesus would take it. Now, guys, friends, I just got to tell you, I mean, you can read into this, but I'm just telling you, Jesus did not. Even talking to the political figures there, what did he say? He said, you would have no power over me unless it was what? Given to you by my Father. He said, the power you think you have, it's nothing. It's nothing. So friends, when we look at our world, when we look at our lives, it's not about political power. It's about accessing God's true power. All the things that, have, that seem to have power over you, remember, they would have no power unless it was given to them by the one who is all powerful. There is no other power. So how do we access it? I'm glad you asked. Okay, how do we access it? This is where it gets really confusing. Okay, um, I'm not quite sure how, but I will tell you this. I will tell you this. That First Peter says this. First Peter says, everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us. Okay? By his divine power. So let's just sit on that for a little bit. Okay? You, you're starting there. You're not going to get something you don't have. So you, you have this. Especially if you are, have a relationship with, with Jesus. Especially if you have invited God into your life. You have this. Then he, he says, For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience 
of knowing him. And remember, all of this was lavished upon us by, by this rich experience of knowing him. Underline that, highlight that, because that's key. Who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. Now this is the Passion Translation. It embe not embellishes, but it, it colors really nicely. What is it saying here? It's talking about this idea of knowing him being connected to accessing God's power. So here it is. How do you access God's deep, deep, limitless power? You do it in solitude. You do it in solitude. You get alone with God. Now, if you want to get pumped up, if you want to get excited, get in a crowd of people who love God. Do that. If you want to be filled with faith, man, surround yourself with people who pray down heaven. Do that. You want to do that? Yes, yes. You want to get jacked? Man, get in a crowd of people who just love jumping around and loving God and doing all the things. You want that? Of course. But if you want a deep, unrelenting power, if you want a... Um, if you want limitless power, if you want a power that's, that allows you to go through this, the pain and the grief that you are going through, then friends, you have to get alone with God. That kind of power is only accessed, accessed, uh, accessed in, in solitude. It's the, it's, the, it's the only way. It's the only, only, only way. You, it, it, and it's hard. Getting alone with God is hard. If it's not hard, it's, it's just awkward sometimes. It truly, truly is. You know, the, the best way I can, I can explain this to you uh, is like, so, you know, uh, um, you, know, I, I, you know, I work out here and there. And, and, uh, and when I want to, like, get into a workout, I kind of have to loosen myself up. So, like, you know, if I just loosen myself up, I kind of loosen my shoulders up and I do this number and all that. And because I want to do and accomplish the thing that's right before me, I want to do this workout, and this requires me to kind of be loose in my shoulders, so I'll loosen my shoulders like that. And so what I do is I hold the stretch for about, you know, two seconds, and I'm like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And that's what we do, right? We go, okay, we're going to accomplish this thing right before us, and we just got to be ready. We got to loosen up. So loosen up, you have to loosen up to actually get engaged and be fully uh, allowing yourself to be in this moment. You get that concept? Now, there's a difference between actually being someone who's flexible. Because being someone who's flexible, you have to hold that, which people tell me, you know, uh, all the time, that if you want to be a person who is flexible, if you want to be a person who's actually, who, 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 who is stretchy, you have, to, you have to stop trying to loosen yourself up. You have to actually hold the hold, right, for, for like a couple of minutes, like in your squat position or any position, whatever you're stretching, you have to hold the position long enough till it gets what? Awkward. Till it gets a little uncomfortable. And I've, I've been told this again and again and again. When it starts getting uncomfortable, when your hold gets uncomfortable, that's when it's really working. And I don't know about you, but I think that's the same when being in solitude with God. When you get to a moment when you're quiet with him that it gets awkward and a little uncomfortable and you don't know what to do or say, that is when it's actually working. You see, that, that, the, the, 
the, the things that the apostles did, the things the disciples of Jesus did, that are so uh, incredible. The power they accessed was not because they had the best worship music. We have the best, best worship music right now in history. It's not because they had access to all kinds of technology and they were connected to everyone around the world that they could have instant encouragement. They, it was not because they had access to the best preachers. We have the best preachers in modern history. It's not that. It was solitude. It was they held God's presence long enough till it made them uncomfortable. And then it made them powerful. So, you want to accomplish the things you want to accomplish? All the things you're thinking about? It's not accessing God's uh, it's, not, it's not accessing power that's found in self or in other people. It's found in God. And the only way to do it for a deep, for a deep, limitless resource of power is you have to get alone with God. You have to start getting alone with God. And it's okay if it's uncomfortable. It's okay if it's awkward because when that's happening, it's working. You're like, I don't know if it's working. It's working. It's working. It's working. So let me pray for you. What is the thing that you're trying to accomplish? And you know you need more than human wisdom. That's great. You need God's power. You need God's power. What is it? What is it? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Um, let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for what you're doing in us, in this moment. God, for some of us who are listening, there are things that we're trying to um, tap into, things that we're trying to overcome, things that we're trying to accomplish, God. And the truth is that we just do not know how we're going to be able to uh, access this kind of power. Because, guys, God, we're, we're, we're facing things that are so complicated because we really need people to do and act a certain way. And they're not. God, people are not acting a certain way and things are not falling into place and, 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 and God, we just feel like everything we try to do is just not working. And Father, I, I, you know that we need wisdom. So we, I pray for that. But God, I pray for more than that. Because some of us are ready to quit. Because people have quit on us. So God, I pray in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that you would give us this moment where we go, God, I'm going to get alone with you. I'm going to access your power. I'm going to commit to getting alone with you till it gets uncomfortable and awkward, till I don't know what to say, and I stop saying and stop talking. And, and when I sit in your word, not just speak it or pray it, I just sit in it. When I sit and hold your presence long enough. Because the only way God, I'm going to be transformed is not by knowledge, but it's by your power. So God, would you do that? Would you do that for my friends? In Jesus' name, I pray. I pray.